0: Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, July 17, 2022, for the Episcopal Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 28. May I speak in the name of one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This past Christmas, several space agencies, including NASA, the European Space Agency, and the Canadian Space Agency, launched the James Webb Space Telescope. This uh, telescope is our most technologically advanced to date. And what folks were really excited about was this telescope's ability to capture infrared light. The launch on Christmas Day was just the first exciting step. The telescope then had to travel one million miles to reach its final orbit. Once there, it had to deploy a sun shield the size of a tennis court. Instruments had to be turned on, computers switched on, lenses calibrated. There was a lot of room for error. But finally, this week, seven months later, NASA released the first full color images from the James Webb Space Telescope. And they were breathtaking. In these images, we were able to see new details of familiar places in the universe, some more nearby, some farther away. Because the telescope captures infrared light, which is outside of the visible light spectrum, we can see things in a different way. We can look through gaseous clouds to see new stars being born. We can see details that would have been hidden from uh, using telescopes previously. One of the images was of a very familiar collection of galaxies called Stefan's Quintet. And this collection of galaxies was made famous because it's um, featured in It's a Wonderful Life. And so this image that NASA released of this collection of galaxies was actually created from a thousand separate images that were stitched together to give us the most detailed image that we've had of this part of the universe. And so while we have been gazing at this collection of galaxies for some time now with this new telescope and its technology we're able to see the details how of how each galaxy's gravity affects what's next to it. So we can see that the galaxies are pulling in and spinning off dust and gas from each other, feeding into the galaxy that's next to it. But perhaps the most remarkable photo that was released this week was the first deep field photo. This image covers a part of the sky that if you were to stand in your backyard and hold out your finger and put a grain of sand on the tip of your finger and look through it. That's how much sky we're talking about right, so this image it comes from what appears to us to be a tiny part of the universe to capture as much information as possible as we could from this tiny part of the night sky, the telescope used a 12 and a half hour exposure to grab up as much light that was possible. And what did the James Webb telescope capture in this tiny part of the night sky? Well, in that little grain of sand of universe, the telescope showed us that there were thousands and thousands of galaxies, many of which we have never seen before. Um, What is even more amazing, at least to me, is when we look at this picture of all of these galaxies, we see some that are sort of curved or bent or maybe smudged like somebody took their thumb and, and messed them up on the photo and the reason why they look that way is the James Webb telescope is actually looking through a cluster of galaxies that have so much gravity right they're so big and they can pull so much stuff in that their gravity bends light around it and what that does is that acts like a magnifying glass so if you think about when you look through a magnifying glass on the edges sort of the image that you're looking at begins to distort And so we're looking with our best telescope through this remarkable sort of naturally occurring magnifying glass that it's allowing us to see even further than what we could with just the telescope. And so those bent or those smudged galaxies that you see are there because that light, which is some of the farthest light from us is actually bending as it comes through this magnifying glass. It's at the edge of this magnifying glass. So in this photo, those sort of red faint galaxies that maybe aren't quite as sharp are um, galaxies that we've never seen before. We're seeing the infrared light from them that has now had to travel for billions and billions of years to reach us. And so in looking at this photo, what we're seeing is the earliest moments of our universe, these are some of the first galaxies and stars to be made. Now, after the photos were published, I was talking to a group of neighbors sharing my excitement and nerdiness about the pictures and one of them asked well what does this have to do with Jesus. And you sitting there listening to this sermon may be asking yourself the same question. Kelly, what does the James Webb Space Telescope and these pictures of stars have to do with Jesus? And my answer to my neighbor that night was, well, listen to my sermon on Sunday. And my answer to you now listening to my sermon begins like this. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. These opening lines from our reading from Colossians are part of a hymn that was known to the Colossians and to the early church celebrating Jesus If you remember from last week, one of the issues facing the Colossians was that they were afloat in this sort of swirl of different religions and ideas, some of which that looked to the heavens and to the stars and planets as deities. So this hymn from the early church is making it clear that Christ, one, Christ is the image of God, and that everything, including those stars and planets that we gaze up at, were created in Christ. The word here, the Im- image, right, the image of the invisible God, the word that we use here gives us the word icon. And when we talk about icons in the church, we just use them to describe particular types of religious images of Jesus or um, scenes from Jesus's life or life of the saints, right, or images of saints, And we have, throughout church history, used these images, these icons, these representation of the divine, to guide our prayers, to help tell the stories of salvation to each other, or to decorate our sacred holy places, to glorify God and to, to invite us into worship of the divine. And so this hymn is talking about Jesus as the first icon, right? Uh, an embodied, in-fleshed, visible representation of the invisible divine God. The hymn also goes on to explain that not only is Jesus the icon of the invisible God, it is that Jesus brought about creation, right? So Jesus brought about the creation of everything, the whole universe, And that it is through Jesus that our creation is made new. That it's through Christ's resurrection that he becomes the firstborn from the dead. And it is that resurrection that makes way for our eternal life. It is through the cross of Christ that all things on earth and in heaven have been reconciled to God. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Paul writes as the servant of this gospel so that we can trust in this wonderful mystery of God, right? The wonderful mystery of God that Christ is in us and in all creation. And so to those folks that were trying to tempt the Colossians from their faith by pointing to earthly power or to nearby stars that they could see, Paul says, don't be fooled. Trust in the God that created the moon and sun and stars that you see. Trust in the God that created the earth and the water and the wind and all the life that you see around you. Trust in the mystery of God that says, Christ is in each one of us and that Christ reconciles us and all of creation to God. So, when I look at these amazing images of stars and galaxies and the farthest reaches of space, I am in awe of creation. I'm in awe of the creativity and intellect of the scientists and builders, the people that were able to construct this telescope and get it launched into space that let us see such beauty, right? I'm in in awe of the mathematicians and chemists and physicists that help us understand what it is that we're seeing and what it might mean for us in our life here and the possibility of other life out there in the universe. But also when I look at these images, I see the mystery of Christ in creation. That Christ, the Christ that was before all things now holds all things together. I see the glory of God and the beautiful swirls of galaxies and the radiance of stars. And even in those seemingly empty spaces between starlight and galaxies where we can't quite see yet what might be there, in those places, at the very beginning of our universe, I see Christ, arms wide, embracing and holding this amazing universe, bringing us ever deeper into the very heart of God. Amen.